Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders. At Boss Builders, our mission is to create the next generation of great bosses. We do this through a variety of training programs, which include our 13-month live masterclass, The Art of Being a Great Boss. This program provides the basic building blocks for being an effective lead, supervisor, or manager. We also have a 13-month live virtual masterclass, The Art of Being a Great Teammate. In this program, we work with individual contributors, building the people and technical skills that will make them more effective. Many of these modules refer to the work in our management program so all employees can be on the same page. A new program for this year is our Art of Being an Administrative Superstar. Your admin staff is the backbone of your organization. This program gives them the important problem-solving and decision-making tools, which will absolutely increase their effectiveness. We offer a number of one-hour short-topic seminars as well, and these are perfect for in-service training and brown-bag lunches. Finally, we offer the opportunity to license all of our materials so your in-house trainers can deliver our programs. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com or call us at 931-221-2988. Well, if you are a regular listener to the HR Oxygen podcast, you know that we tend to provide topics, guests, ideas that are designed to help the overworked, overwhelmed, overstressed, and often underappreciated HR professional have a little breathing room. We try to have people who are inspirational, people who are motivational, and sometimes really good practical life topics. Every once in a while, though, we like to go outside of those boundaries to provide something that will be of a lot of use to you, and maybe in some ways help prevent some of the stresses that maybe you're facing. Now, you have to understand something about me. When it comes to things that are around government regulations, I immediately check out mentally, physically, and emotionally. I worked for a period of time for a trade association that dealt with government contractors, and we used to run programs on the Service Contract Act and the Davis-Bacon Acts, and that has got to be some of the most boring crap I've ever had to sit through. So whenever I hear things about different acts or things in government or Congress, immediately like, oh, I don't want to touch that. But you know, I have a friend of mine, his name is Jeff Hughes, and Jeff told me a while back that he was working on something that he said was truly, really important and definitely needed to be out to my audience. And so for one of the rare times, I decided that we would not do something inspirational. We would actually talk about something rather technical, and that is the Consolidated Appropriations Act. Now, I can't even do it justice explaining what it is. What I'm going to do is just let Jeff and Jeff do the talking. Jeff Hughes is an HR professional with over 30 years of experience. Jeff Smith is a benefits expert with about 30 years of experience in benefits. Both Jeff and Jeff are absolutely passionate about this Consolidated Appropriations Act. And they will do their best to explain it in a way that you will understand it because you're in this space. You probably understand it better than I do. But everything that I heard when I did the interview yesterday told me that it was really important. And I hope that you'll tune in and more importantly, reach out to Jeff Smith and Jeff Hughes for help if you want to figure out better ways to save money on benefits. So that's all I'm going to say. We'll let them do the rest of the talking. But you have a responsibility right now, don't you? Let's make sure that personal items tucked under the seat in front of you Make sure your seatbelt is buckled low and across your hips. Time for us to taxi to the runway. 
Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Jeff Hughes and Jeff Smith, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mac. I appreciate you having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is great. We don't often do a show where I have two guests on at the same time, but uh, we're thoroughly enjoying that opportunity today. So the topic today is one that we normally don't cover on HR Oxygen. We always try to use our podcast to give people things that are inspirational and motivational. But, you know, in talking to both of you, I know that you're very passionate about what we're going to be talking about today. And there are a couple ways to help HR professionals de-stress. Number one is giving them de-stressing tools. But the other thing is to give them knowledge on something that will create a lot of stress, but the knowledge that will help them get through that. That would probably be the case today. So we're going to go ahead and talk about something called the Consolidated Appropriations Act. Now, this is completely foreign to a guy like me. But the good news is if you're listening, it's probably going to mean a lot to you. So make sure you tune in, take a lot of notes, and at the end, I'll give you contact information where you can contact Jeff or Jeff or Jeff and Jeff together, whatever you want to do. So let's start and I'll let whoever wants to go first go. But you both have really interesting backgrounds. So Jeff Hughes, let's let you go first. Tell us about you and then Jeff Smith, and then we'll roll on into the Consolidated Appropriations Act. All right. Again, thanks, Mac. I appreciate you having Jeff and I on the show. Um, And for those that are listening and um, you know, it's an unusual topic and, and a little bit unusual that I knew Mac way back in like, I think it might have been 96, Mac, when you came in and did a leadership uh, conference. It's actually, it was sooner than that because 96, I was still on active duty, but I think it was probably 2006. Was it 2000? Yeah. It was one of the, in fact, ironically, it was the very first time I'd ever flown to Hartford. Um, and, and I remember looking at a paper map just to show you, cause I was on 91 catching 84 heading out, uh, where you were working at the time. It was out there past uh, West Hartford, if I can remember right. Yeah, a long correct. time ago. Yeah. So it was, it was probably 2006. Yeah. And, yeah. and then that's good pre- because that would make me probably instead of 58, I'd be 68 and I don't want to be 68. <laughs> well, just, I yeah. apologize. <laughs> um, no, yeah. no, but, I, um, and we've just kept in touch over the years in various ways, shapes, and, and forms. And our, both of our careers have advanced. I've, I've at this point, had over 30 years of HR experience, global HR experience. Um, I've had as many as 2,500 people under me, um, $2 billion companies. And, um, you know, I've, one of the things that I've had my hand in, um, I thought from you know, a lot deeper than I ever have was the benefits plan design um, work that I did when I was heading up benefits for, uh, you know, one of several companies that I did this at. And um, I just remember that, um, you know, when it would come down to uh, uh, time to um, look at pricing um, for the following year, um, you know, whoever it was, the broker, or the provider of the benefits would parade in five or six guys and they give you a very healthy presentation of utilization and usage and what to tweak and so on and so forth. 
And um, I always felt like, um, you know, the outcome of my work in trying to craft, uh, you know, the best plan possible, uh, that was judged by the people in, in the facilities and whether I got kind of like a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And it's amazing the things that we would do to try and keep costs down, but it just isn't happening year after year. It keeps going up. It's the second highest cost that, it, that an employer bears next to the payroll for his people. And um, it's something that, you know, uh, up until a couple months ago, I didn't realize how the tables had turned on this from a legislative perspective. That's when I met Jeff Smith, um, who I've, I, I, let's say I reconnected. I've known Jeff for quite a while. Um, we grew up in the same town, and but our careers went different ways. And ju just kind of serendipitously, um, I had reached out to him. Um, uh, one of the reasons was uh, I was looking for some consulting work up his way, actually. And he started talking about his experience with the Consolidated Appropriations Act, which really ties a lot deeper than mine. Number one, because of his background in benefits as a proprietor in that area, but also because of his partnerships with folks that are hardwired to the Department of Labor in Washington. Um, and he started telling me how this legislation passed, um, that it was going to become incumbent on the plan sponsors or companies to now become compliant because there was a shift in fiduciary responsibilities. And Jeff will go into that um, in more detail. Um, but basically, um, that makes the plan provider or the company responsible for looking at every possible angle to make sure that employees are getting the uh, objective and I guess the, you know, the proper uh, line of sight to data that lets them know if their claims are processed right, if things are being charged right, so on and so forth. And that he was um, beginning uh, to and had tied in with folks that are now on the front edge of this because companies are going to have to comply with this, just like they provide uh, fiduciary responsibilities over their 401k. They're going to now have to make this those same fiduciary claims relative to their benefits. So it's important that they understand it because from a legislative perspective, they now have access and rights to data that they never had before, nor could they ask for it, or if it was in their contract somewhere displayed under the words data, it was so honked up in terms of the terminology that you could, you know, it, it was just an awful situation for the, for the plant sponsor or the company to truly get a look at what they were paying. And so I started getting more and more into this and I really liked what I saw from an HR leadership perspective. This is impactful to the organization for a couple of reasons. One, the cost of healthcare is going up exponentially over, over the years. I mean, you, you, people are talking numbers like, you know, anywhere from 50 to 90% increases. And those aren't numbers that they just, you know, randomly pick out, they're becoming more and more common to hear how much prices are going up. And so <clears throat> from a compliance perspective, the Consolidated Appropriations Act will let you look at where your true dollars are being spent and if they're being spent properly. And if not, you have a right to those dollars as the plan sponsor 
because you were overcharged or improperly charged. Well, that then correlates down to, hey, Mr. Employee, your healthcare costs will lower because of this, because we're finding all sorts of errors in the process because we never had access to information. So from a business perspective, it's fundamental in how you want to operate it. And from an employee relations perspective, it's significant because employees will now see a true cost of their health care and they will see their health care costs come down as a result of it. And if I've missed anything, Jeff, take it uh, away. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, uh, Jeff. My name is Jeff Smith and, you know, kind of dovetail. My experience has been 30 plus years in the insurance industry and most importantly in the benefits space, probably the last 15 years of my career and working with a target market in the nursing home space as a result of the Affordable Care Act being established during the Obama administration. So that being said, I've, I picked up a ton of experience just on the the whole insurance process on how you build a, a program for a nursing home operation to the le legislative side of things. And one of the things I want to correct, Jeff, just the, the statement you made on the Department of Labor. We're not hardwired into the Department of Labor. No. I don't want to misstrew that. We're getting information from the Department of Labor. We're getting the information from the Department of Labor to, you know, sent to us. So that's not, I want to correct that from, uh, I want to make sure we're not sitting there saying, hey guys, you know, we, we're calling the Department of Labor. They're telling us the inside baseball. That's not, that's not correct. We're, we're relying on their guidance or guidance in what they're saying about the, um, what the Consolidated Appropriations Act is. And I think the most critical thing, as Jeff said, you cannot continually have people paying. I think I, I saw a stat, this, a family rate 10 years ago was about 7,000 bucks a year nationally. It is now 22,000. Think about wow. that, Mac. Yeah, yeah, wow. Okay, mm -hmm. think about that. All right, and then you wanna to go to the Northeast where we live, I had I had a meeting with somebody, and they had a family rate that was almost thirty thousand dollars a year. Jeez, it it, it it doesn't make sense. There's some 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 lines have just got to cross, and there's a lot of manipulation that's going on with, you know, they use the exchanges and the credits and the and the ability to be, be um, on the income side, which allows people to get care, which is great, but it does nothing to manage the risk that Jeff and I keep talking about. It's great you can get. If you can get health care for 200 bucks a month and that family rate is, you know, 12,000 bucks in the North, uh, in the Midwest or 20 and you can get that subsidy. I'm all for that. I get that because you get your coverage, but it really doesn't do anything to control the costs internally because you really it's a, you know, it's a fully insured plan. However, in the self-insured marketplace with the Consolidated Appropriations Act, the biggest challenge when Jeffrey was talking about this was it's really simple. You would go in the middle of the year and I would say to Jeff. Here's a date and here, here are the losses and everybody would go, okay, good. Well, you had this, et cetera. And what we were starting to find out was that, unfortunately, that data we were really getting, how much of it was really accurate? Then, then what happened is people started questioning the data. And then when they started questioning the data, the insurance carriers would sit there and say, hey, you have these agreements you signed with us, which they did, and it says, Mac Monroe's company, you signed this thing and you've agreed to all of these terms. And in this contract, you know, language that says you're only entitled to 200 claims a year or, you know, these, you know, this or or you're entitled to 
use a specific firm that we want you to choose, those are called gag clauses. So a gag clause is restrictive. Consolidated Appropriations Act is all gag clauses are supposed to be out of the contract. Not an attorney. I rely on great legal teams for advice. But the first thing, and Jeff has been on three or four um, presentations with, with me and my team, and all I ask for is I want your contracts first. Because then I want it, then I then I have a legal team review it and say, this is a gag clause, this is a gag clause, this is a gag clause. We start with that conversation. You got to educate people. And my biggest fear is that people are going to react to the Consolidated Appropriations Act in a manner that any type of Department of Labor regulatory piece comes down. Everybody's like, yeah, it's another regulation. Let's see what happens. Well, they just came out last Friday and I sent it to Jeffrey with a Q&A on this specific on the Consolidated Appropriations Act because it's been in force since 2022, I think it, it was kind of December 27th was the drop dead day for some of this. And I'm, and correct me on the dates, but the reporting and the what they call the buzzwords you're hearing out in the marketplace, Mac, that any HR person in the benefit space, transparent pricing from hospitals. Um, you want to be able to understand when you, you know, when you're buying, when you, when you're going for like, you had your, your shoulder done, right? Mm-hmm. You want to know, can I get this rotator cuff done for a thousand bucks, 2000 bucks? Tell me why and mm-hmm. give me that transparency and hospital A is this hospital B is this. And so all that transparency is great, but it's confusing if the data isn't all right as well. So you, you, you know, that it might be a thousand bucks and that number may be correct after the data is reviewed. But that's the biggest thing. I think the secret is going to be an access to the data and the claims information. And that data is very deep. And part of the Consolidated Appropriations Act is that you have to be transparent on this. And you have to, all these stakeholders involved in that, that transaction of the, in the healthcare ecosystem, that includes the brokers, the consultants, the payers, the pharmacy, pharmacy players, everybody who's touching that, that healthcare dollar is getting paid something and there's specific reporting that you have to do. And if you don't, if, and if you don't, you technically are violating, uh, violating your fiduciary responsibility. And that fiduciary responsibility drives on the plan sponsor. It's not me, the consultant. It's not the insurance company anymore. And that's a, that, that's kind of that. It's a tough thing because we've all trusted our brokers and there are a great amount of great brokers out there. And I've just learned about this in the last three years. And this has been my, I told Jeffrey this, this has been my, this is my passion. This is what I want to do the rest of my career to be relevant, to help people. So if I can move one or two companies a year, move their needle and say, hey, you got to look at your pricing like that. Look at your, your health plan that way. I think it's going to be very advantageous to your population. And there's no question that when you get the right people involved and the right people who are lined up and I have the team nationally, whether it's a legal, it's data analytics, we have that. We have those resources and we're all liked and Jeff has met them all. We all are on the same mission. And if you find the right employer that feels the same way, it's going to be very powerful. And we've had a couple of recent cases that have been ruled on. And I think that's where the power is. You know, I, Jeff and I can talk with to you about this all the time. But I think the, the key thing is 
there's a, there was a case up in, in Massachusetts with the Boston Laborers Fund, and this was one of the situations where I, I personally was not involved with it myself, but I did refer one of the data analytic companies to the fund because I knew the folks. And what they did is they did all the right things. And then the judge came in in the first ruling and said, yeah, you find all these pricing problems and you did, but the fund signed the contract. So we're going to rule against your findings and you cannot collect the money. You can't you can't collect the money that you found that thought you thought claims were either overpaid or missed or, or coded incorrect with those are the things you said, you know, you see or they question maybe whether, you, you know, you have the, the, the aspirin cost a buck or, you know, 22 bucks. So they got a cease and desist order on it because they were finding errors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the intent was to do that and fix it. So then they, they appealed it and the appellate court came out with an amicus brief saying, the blues definition was we signed the you signed the contract number one and again I'm I'm paraphrasing not an attorney, you signed the con and we aren't fiduciaries on the plan. How can you not be a fiduciary in my opinion when a, a fund is giving you all of their money? Yeah, think about this logically, all of your money, and I can't access the data to see how my claims are paid. So mm-hmm. the judge said no, you are a co-fiduciary. So now it's still in litigation, but that's kind of one of them right so that's kind of telling the needles kind of moving a little bit mm-hmm. all right and that was that was that case started probably three three years ago then you've had a you've had a most recent ruling in michigan on on a case about just about getting the data that's been going on for five plus years and the judges finally ruled saying you got to get the data of these folks and this is all public it's all been released people can look at it and then um there's a case in Connecticut involving a labor fund, which is a group that we work with. And they were asking for data. They were asking for data and kept getting pushed off. And eventually it, it got put to they have the, the fund has sued, uh, you know, the carrier and the carrier. You know, they're in the middle of a, a potential class action suit. You know, that, that'll take its course. And again, it was about getting the data. And <clears throat> Smitty, I like. <clears throat> I was gonna. I was gonna say. I, I like the one uh, where uh, uh, a company is taking on um, that actually went under, is taking mm-hmm. on a healthcare provider, and surprise, surprise, they're asking actually asking for summary judgment, which you know don't even go to trial because it's so obvious and clear is what they're asking for, and it's the same thing. It's payment errors. It's withholding of information of data. It's manipulating info. It's extra fee charging, and they're. It's so obvious. They're just asking, you know, to rule on it right away. And it, I don't know, it doesn't change no matter which part of the United States we're in. Um, not trying to, I'm, I'm really, crazy. you know, the, what Jeff and I and what we're trying to do is we're not trying to be alarmist about it, but boy, I think there's a, you know, if, if you got a company and you're spending $10 million or $5 million or even a, a company with 75 employees, that, that number is going to mean something. And you, you, but you've got to find the right people that are aligned with you because it's not easy work. It's a, it's a, such a different mindset, Mac, on how you go about taking care of your employee benefits. And then you have your existing broker relationship and the broker may say, well, my people are saying we're okay this way. And then you say, you trust your broker. And, and if you do, and you're fine with that, more power to you. And I'm not telling you not to, you know, come running to all of us because we're on this podcast, but 
you need to be aware of it. And I truly believe, you know, the next, you know, the next iteration of HR professionals, the, and I say this, the ones that use technology better than Jeff and I, the ones that understand data analytics better, all of those, those are the people I'm working with. Cause they get it. They, they just like, they're like, got to give them their opportunity to make that change. And they will do that. It's, it's going to come whether they do it all in the next five to 10 years, but there's got to be a change in the healthcare space for, for employees in the commercial market. Cause it's just going to be too costly or you go to a national program and that may be the end game. I don't know that, but I think if I'm an HR professional and, and I wanted to really make an impact for my employees. There's so many things you have to deal with employment law, you know, all the, all the, you know, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. But if you can put a good team of people together and like-minded, I think you can make a really big impact. And frankly, I think, and I, and I can't speak for everybody, but I think, you know, if, if, if I'm paying eight or $9,000 a year for my out-of-pocket for my healthcare plan, and I got a five thousand dollar family deductible, which probably is on the low end, but it's probably higher. And you come back to me and say, by the work that we did, we can drop your contribution another about two thousand bucks a year, and we, we we might be able to take that you know that family out of pocket spend and knock another two thousand. That's going to be more. That's going to be very impactful than a you know a three percent raise. Well, because that's meaning it's meaningful money for benefits in your family. And that's that's my fear for any employer because I know that it keeps these guys up at night. No, as are these benefit costs, and then the other. So, so, hey. so let me ask you guys this: sure. How, So, what would you say the percentage of the HR professional workforce actually knows about this? Because it sounds as though it's, it's been around, but you guys have sort of uncovered it, and now we're seeing this great possibility. But it sounds like it's not very well known. I think it depends. I, I think it depends. Personally, I, I couldn't comment on that statistical average, but I know everybody that I have spoken to. The first answer is, uh, "What is it?" Hmm. And and that's either the, the, the that's 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 the CEO or the CFO mm -hmm. that I've talked to that I've dealt with throughout my career, and they're relying for the HR person maybe to bring that. Hey, we got this new law and reg. I I I would think. I, I hate to guess, and I because I don't want to put anybody in a in, in a a, uh, um, a bucket. Yep. But I've had conversations with companies that had no idea it's been going on. But I've also had conversations respectfully with people. But I, I couldn't give you that statistical. Okay. I but it's know that. but obviously probably it sounds like more people don't know than do know. Right? Would that be a I fair think they, assessment? I I think they don't know what that process is yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know because. It, what, what is this? Pro, what is it? What, is, what does it really mean to? What does it really mean to eliminate a gag clause? And what is a gag clause? And the gag clause is right in your summary plan description in your ASO agreement. So you go through it. And you go. It says you can only you can't audit. You can only do two hundred audits, and you can only use these three audit firms. You got to get those out of the contract. So you got to engage a law firm, and you got to spend money to do that. And you got to you know you got to want to agree to do that. So. I'm starting to see it. We, you know, Jeff knows this. I just, you know, I just engaged a fairly large group down in the Southeast to, to take this strategy. We're doing it as we speak. You know, we are, we are breaking, we're breaking up their agreements. We're going to start negotiating with the, 
you know, with, with the carriers, they've agreed yeah. to move forward. We're going to re- redo plan documents and, and get them compliant. And our goal is our goal is to get them compliant. We get them compliant, then costs will go down because you'll be able to get your data. And the carriers will fight us. We know that, but we're we're gonna we're gonna use I think the law as an ally here for for the employer. It'll be an, it'll be an interesting. Um, I don't think it'll come without a fight from the carrier side. But if you get enough of people that want to use a lot of their advantage, why not why not take it to to, to the greater good? This is your these are your benefit costs. So. Mm-hmm. So you guys are basically getting the word out and helping people work through this now, right? Yeah. 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 And if somebody says to somebody says to me, Jeff, what are our next steps? I'll bring in a team of folks. Um, and there's a really great group. It's called Highlight Health. Josh Spivak is their CEO. And then we work with a great law firm, uh, Burger Montage in Philadelphia. Julie Sesnick is one of the Selznick, excuse me, is one of the principals. And then we work with a company called Benefits DNA and Justin Leader and his team. And then another company called Claim Informatics, which is uh, owned by Stephen Caraba. And the, they're really the, uh, you know, they're the real, I consider, movers of this. I'm just kind of, I'm trying to be a conduit of their message and help them, you know, make a difference in the healthcare space. And that's what Jeffrey and I are doing. So we are really, really thankful to be working with them because they know it, they walk it, they do it, they're presently doing it. So if somebody says, hey, do you have somebody who's doing it? Yeah, well, you know, who do you want to talk to? Great. So it's so goal number one is your organization becoming compliant, right? right? Okay. And first then first. the second benefit, obviously, is the cost savings that you'll right. see. Right. So in your experience, um, the cost savings, you gave me a few examples. Has it been sure. like fairly significant where well, it CFOs is. It is. are for, like, oh, my God, wow, this For example, this is awesome. Jeff, Jeff has seen the, claim, the claims information just on one specific case on 10 claims Based, using this strategy, in t- on ten claims, the fund was the difference on the on the claim spend doing it the traditional way versus this way where we got the data the right way and we got all the information done and the pricing right done and and, and and going using the law through all the le- through all the levers. On ten claims, we reduced. We, there's a savings of about one hundred seventy five thousand dollars just on ten claims. And these are these are different various claims, you know, fifty thousand, eighty thousand, et cetera. So you start thinking about that ten claims, and this that's just a, that's a snippet of things. But during that time, you've been fighting a fight for getting the data the right way, getting it done. But that's meaningful, and that that's not going to be a one-time transaction. That's going to be the consistency of having access to your data, having you know people you know people fighting for you and, and, and working on these claims. And, you know, it's I, I really believe it's it's not going to it's not going to be easy. There's no question about that. And people will push back and they will. But work with the laws that you have and you pray if you have to, you know, you, you go to fight, you go, you got the law on your side. Because the Consolidated Appropriations Act is pretty straightforward on it. And, the, you know, I sent the, I, I got it late Friday. I sent it to Jeff. I texted him. I said, this just came down. This is important. The FAQ, yeah, and every HR department has access to that. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff. No, no, no. It's really funny too, uh, Mac, because one of the first things that they uh, in the FAQs is uh, what is a gag clause. Mm-hmm. Right up front, you know, anything that rest- 
restrict specific data information that a plan or issuer could make available to another party. In this case, it's within the context of a healthcare provider or a network or associates, a TPA or another service provider. So, I mean, there's a lot uh, from what I've seen in a couple of cases that Jeff and I have been working together, an extraordinary amount of gag clauses just because they never had to come clean on this stuff. They never had to, they never had to, you know, kind of bear, you know, all the data. And, and so, so those gag clauses, were those put in for that specific reason or was it just haphazard doing it? I, I you know what? I couldn't, I couldn't answer that. I couldn't answer that, but what, I, what I, what, here's what, here's my, my God honest thought. Insurance industry was always a trust me business, right? Trust me business. I started, I started in, you know, 1985. And if you, if you looked at the insurance industry in 85, and what people thought about it, and you look at it now, it's kind of like politicians, right? You know, it's, I don't think, I don't think we've been well received. I mean, there's a lot of great agents, a lot of great benefit folks, et cetera. But the, you know, in the, in the, in the world itself, the industry is, 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 it does a lot of great things. I think it's, it's fabulous. I mean, you get involved with a catastrophic loss on the property casualty side. It's they're fabulous. You get involved with some tough health claims. Most of the time carers are, you know, they're pretty good with, you know, taking care of families. You always get that horror story on a cancer claim or something to that extent, but you fight through that stuff. But they were designed, I mean, they were designed, you know, they were designed, there's no question they were designed to favor them. So I guess that would be, again, I'm not a lawyer, so that would be my, like, you know, my, you know, Columbo 101, you know, by the way, you know, well, here's the clause. And I, I just remember the one time that I had to, uh, someone uh, with a group, private equity group that I was working with, kept asking me to get a breakdown of the, the administrative fees and what went in there. And you just couldn't, you know, I got three versions of, you know, I don't know, three different colors of chocolate, but you never, you could never get the breakdown. And while it may seem, you know, fees are, are what, you know, you always try and lower. It's about the only thing you can get your hands around as an HR person, knowing what goes into them is, is a whole nother story. And, you know, I just, uh, I think it's by design, you know, but who knows? There's a lot of things baked in there that probably I don't see. But, but I but I truly believe right now the opportunity to really push the levers to your advantage as an employer, especially, and I, I say this, with the fiduciary responsibility you have is big because I, I, I do, and I, I don't try to use scare tactics because I, I, I think it's a terrible way, but I, I would not want to be the first company that gets called to the mat on this. And you find out they go, well, I thought my consultant was doing that, et cetera. Because it's pretty clear that it's it's on the plan sponsor. And the other part, I do I do believe the fine if you are penalized, it's a hundred dollars a day. And I again, I, you know, not a lawyer, not a DOL person, but I wouldn't want to be that first company because if and if people aren't 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 doing aren't reporting under the you know. The, the act and following procedures, it's going to create a lot of red flags because it's very clear. Jeff knows this. It's very clear on 
what your responsibilities are to file for your health plan. And it, it likens a likens to the same. This happened in the uh, 401k space years ago where they were attacking people with fees, right? The, the, they would sit there and say, you know, yeah. Mac, Mac, you were the CEO of the company and I was your financial advisor and I just took you golfing and, you know, it's 5% on $2 million. That's way too much money. That was an easy one for the government to get right to get in. And, and the healthcare piece has so many facets of what's in that ecosystem for um, for expense and revenue. So I just think that we're at a, we're at a stage now where this is the last piece of you know the employee benefit spectrum where an employer really you know besides wages that people are always fighting for and but more importantly I think what happened with COVID shook everything up. You know I I just think it. I I think it snow globed a lot of things, if that makes sense. It just shook it up. The other thing, Smitty, too, that I I personally like is you mentioned class action activity, right? If I'm an employer, because as this goes out more and more and, and it's publicized more and more, employees could start asking the questions that employers aren't prepared to answer and next thing the employer knows, they're defending a class action suit because they didn't act as a fiduciary on employee's behalf. I think that's the other thing. So to get out of uh, in front of this and be compliant and then start, you know, working on the, you know, all the all the things that have happened that are improper within the within the plan, whatever it may be. I, I think that's that's the position we want companies to be in. And if we can educate folks about it. Yeah, you just, you, the, the thing is, the most important thing is you only know what you know, Mac, right? People have only known what they know. And what we're trying to do is say, yeah, and, 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 and I'll tell you the one thing that a lot of people will say, he says, yeah, so-and-so told me that they could save us some money by auditing our, our claims. And a firm would come in and do something and they would sit there and say, yeah, we we thought we could save you more, but we only got a little bit of this. So that creates disappointment, right? You can manage expectations. But what was transpiring that folks didn't really understand was people have these great ways to analyze the data. But if you can't get all of the data because of these gag clauses, de facto, your, your, your finished product is not going to be good. Make sense. Right. You know, so so you're going in there thinking you're doing the right thing. I find all these claims and then you're like, well, I need more data on this and they won't give it to you. Well, you have to give this now per the law. That's that's the whole in the carriers. I'm sure the carriers will come up and say, well, we think we're right. But then, you know, you're just it's a question of how hard you want to fight, how meaningful it is to your company. But, you know, if you're spending 10 million dollars, 15 million dollars a year. And you're finding 10, maybe 10 to 20% as a result of this, that's really meaningful money. And frankly, I, I think the data will prove out over time on that. Because I don't want to sit there and say, you know, it's going to be, but it's going it's gonna to move your needle. There's no question. Because a lot of data is incorrect and a lot of pricing is done very it I like I liken sometimes how pricing is done on claims where it's um it's either that uh, lotto ball, you know, when they throw the balls in and they go boop, boop, three, five, eight, your colon is a 12, you know, and it could be three. So that's kind of the, you know, little <laughs> yeah. humor on this because it's serious stuff. But I think we're trying to eliminate that type of um, 
cost structure in the you know claims process as well so people can really understand you know it should be fairly simple if you're going to a hospital and your colonoscopy is 1500 bucks here and the other one is fourteen hundred dollars and you want to choose fourteen hundred because it's a hundred bucks less sure it's like buying a flight and there's other factors that you go in choosing your medical care and i get that but it still should be pretty straightforward and you should have an idea when you're going in and, and you shouldn't be going into yeah. surgery going, God, I hope this is going to cost a lot. You should know what it costs. Right. I mean, it's enough, it's enough of stress. So that's what I, you know, that's, I think the intent of everybody that I'm affiliated with that what we're trying to do, we just want to educate, be transparent. And sometimes you're not going to like the truth, but at least it'll be truthful. And then you have something to work off of. And, that's that's our that's our mission statement and that's what got jeffrey excited jeff and i like i said we've known each other forever mm-hmm. I, we, we see each other we still play against each other in yep. basketball we never talked about like hey maybe we could do business together and then when, as we got older we called we played golf together one time and i was telling him what i was doing he said this is what i'm doing i said we should help yeah no i think so and i think because and that's how I, it happened you know i can relate to yeah. the hr person calling in trying to figure yeah. out what this is all about so yeah, yeah i agree yeah well it seems like so, it's perfect timing Matt, what, now right what yeah. numbers I mean, or, of or emails the, can i yeah, provide all you the things all right so so it sounds to me and we'll kind of wrap it up from here like so if there is an hr professional that is listening today that says wow this is news i want to add value to my organization I really want to get ahead of this. What is the best way for that person to reach out to you guys to get some help, to get some education and maybe some, some deeper help with this? How, how can we best reach out to you guys? I, per, I personally think, Jeff, it should go through you. You're the one who put this together with Mac in the HR space. And then Jeff would tie in all of, all of the team that, that we're with. I think that that's what I prefer, Jeffrey, if that if you're OK with that. Sure. You can either call or text my cell phone at 860-593-1155 or drop me an email at J.D. Hughes. That's H-U-G-H-E-S 47 at Outlook.com. Either way. OK, excellent. And you guys will hopefully be on the circuit, uh, hopefully to get some conferences so that you can actually get in and get an hour and have them really go through this with you. Uh, that's going to be my hope to see you on the, the, the conference circuit here as well. So, uh, yeah. So if you are listening to this today, please look up Jeffrey Hughes. You got his contact information there. Uh, again, it sounds like a great way to really demonstrate that you are adding value in this very important role saving your organization money, but also just being more efficient. So thank you both for taking the time to be with us on the show today. All right. Thank you, Mac, for having us. Love to do it. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the HR Oxygen podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy making them. I've learned so much from the guests we've had on the show over the past few years And I hope that you will continue to listen to us regularly. If you are a subscriber on any podcast app or channel, would you do us a favor and take a moment and leave us a review? We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have the time, check out all the offerings we have on our website, which is thebossbuilders.com. We have every other month a Sherm Credit webinar that we present, as well as a ton of other events, not to mention our Art of the Great Boss and Art of Being a Great Teammate programs, More information on that site today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, 
and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, by the way, you may want to unbuckle that seatbelt. I think we just arrived at the gate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well. <laughs>